Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. How do we do this again, Matt? I'm, <laughs> I'm, sure, I've, I'm sure I've done it before, but uh, <laughs> it feels like a long time ago. <laughs> a lot's happened since Thursday. Oh, oh but you're back. That's the I'm, main thing. I'm back. I'm back, folks. Uh, thank you again so much for all your, your lovely messages. There's been so many nice people uh, wishing, me, wishing me well. I'm happy to say I feel pretty much fine now, um, but... Uh, yeah, when, when this bloke goes down with something, <laughs> it tends to be pretty spectacular for a few days uh, and not particularly nice. So that's what happened. Um, but fortunately, um, I'm, I'm back and, yeah, not, not in, a, in a really bad state uh, and hopefully okay for the rest of the tournament. So Matt and I are going to keep the ship going uh, for this evening in, and we're going to give Catherine the night off because, uh, frankly, she's been doing all the plumbing work the last few days. Um, she'll be back in the next day or so. Uh, and also, she's got a heck of a big old day tomorrow with Emma Raducanu in quarterfinal action. So, um, yeah, we're, we're just sort of, we're just utilising our resources the best possible <laughs> way we can. Matt's the ever-present uh, just at the moment. Um, and, yeah, we've got so much to catch up on, Matt, because I seem to have missed, like, the best three days of Grand Slam tennis in history. Um, and that fair? isn't even an exaggeration, I don't think, is it? No. And everyone seems to be holding that opinion. You know, pundits, uh, fans... Everyone is swept up by this tournament. And I think everyone is really pleasantly surprised as well because they're stories we weren't expecting at mm. the start of the tournament. These are not players, you know, Leila Fernandez, Carlos Alcaraz, Emma Raducanu. They're players we knew about, but they weren't players we were expecting to be the stars of this tournament. And I just think the, the fact that they are is so exciting, really. And, and everyone is, is caught up in it. Yeah, can you remember how down in the dumps we were when Federer and Nadal were mm. out, and Serena had to pull out, and Dominic Team? That look, I'm I, I'm not saying I don't miss them. I do miss them, but that feels like a long time ago. I I I, I don't really miss them. I, I've really enjoyed what we have had. Yeah, no, totally. And I think it's significant that this is happening when they're not here. I think we needed 
to sort of know that it would be okay when they're not here eventually. Um, I do think all of those players you've just mentioned tend to come to the fore most at the end of a slam, don't they? And what has been so great about this is that the fact that they're not there has given the spotlight to the other players in this first week. And I thought Francis Francis Tiafoe had a really interesting expletive-laden answer about this the other night in his press conference, just saying, yeah, everyone thinks they've got a chance and everyone is, if they're down in a match, they're thinking, no, if, if I win this, I've still got a big chance in this tournament because it is so open. Okay, mm. probably not the players on Novak Djokovic's side of the draw or in his section of the draw, but sort of everyone else in the men's side has certainly really got a shot. And I think that's why we're seeing so many five-setters and comebacks and, you know, add in the return of the crowd. And it's just it's just created this this kind of perfect tournament, really, so far. Mm. We're, we're recording this just after 1am. We're into the night session um, on the second Tuesday. And uh, we're, we're going to keep up the theme of, of what Matt and Catherine have been doing throughout the last three, three few days, which I think works really well. Because after... We finish recording. We do tend to watch the rest of the tennis. And uh, last night, Matt, you and I, I mean, I think I think I went I went to bed about 11.30. I was basically sent to bed by Catherine <laughs> at, at 11.30 and, and told I'm not allowed on the show. And I've got to have my, my uh, rehydration salts and go to bed. So I did. I did as, as I was told. But I woke up, I guess, about 5.36 and... I saw a message from you and I, I thought, actually, I'm not going to read these messages. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to watch Brooksby against Djokovic on catch up. And I went straight and watched it. I managed to avoid finding out the score. I was absolutely captivated by that, the way Brooksby took it to him. Mm. And it was a brilliant match. I loved so many parts of it. I loved the way Djokovic halfway through just suddenly stared him down. And, and, and he came out with that great line, didn't he? That, I, I realised that I'd got to let him know I was there, sort of feel my presence. Mm. Um, and and I've, I don't think I've really heard him talk to an opponent or about an opponent quite like that. Um, and then we watched, and then I turned it on live, and there was Andrescu against Sakari in the third set, and it was 7am here, uh, <laughs> 2 in the morning in the, in the, in the, the US Open. I mean, that really was rolling back the years for me that is what I fell in love with with the US Open all those years ago those sort of night session matches which ruined my next day (laughs) because I couldn't cope but in the moment electric yes I've had a slightly ruined day today after (laughs) after staying up all night for that I had this moment where I was watching the match and it's amazing how quickly it gets light in the morning. Oh, yeah. I just didn't notice. I was in- absorbed in the match and it was dark outside and I thought, okay, I'm going to be fine. And then suddenly it was light and it was morning and I hadn't been to bed and <laughs> <laughs> I was a mess. Um, but I don't regret any of it because <laughs> it, was, it was yet another contender for match of the tournament, really. Certainly one of the longest on the women's side, the... Uh, the latest ever finish to a women's match at the US Open. And it was just everything you hoped and expected it would be between those two. Just intense, fierce, physical. 
um, some of the rallies just honestly breathtaking. The, the sort of back and forth exchanges they were having when they were hitting the ball, just not holding back. Um, yeah, it, it felt like a real battle of wills as as much as tennis. Uh, and eventually, I think, a battle of bodies as well mm. because... Um, Sakari looked like she could go for, you know, best of nine, best of 11, <laughs> best of 13, bring it on. She was bouncing up and down. And, you know, unfortunately, it was a familiar tale with Andrescu. Brilliant, brilliant tennis. But she got a thigh injury during the match and it, and, and it hindered her a lot in that third set. It was quite difficult to watch, actually, at times, sort of losing her balance a bit. Um, and in the end, Sakari got the win, and it's a massive win for her because she's lost so, so many tight matches this year. And for her to finally pull one out in those circumstances, I think I think is really big for her. It meant a lot to her. You could see that. Mm. At the end, I think she said that she'd been saying to her coach, Tom Hill, that this could well be 7-6 in the third, and I'm okay with that. Mm. If, if it's anything shorter than that, great, I'll take it. But I'm but I'm planning for seven six and the third, and I mean she she ultimately broke Andrescu down. Yeah, and I find her a, a really interesting distance player because she's had all of these matches that she hasn't got over the line. I mean you you listed them all. I was really taken aback by the sheer number of three set matches where she's had chances to win and she hasn't taken them because. That, to me, should be her sweet spot. That should be when mm. she's coming into her own. Whereas actually seems to be that her best tennis is played when she's hanging on at the end um, and just saving herself from, from defeat. This might be a big moment. This could be the moment. Yeah, absolutely. It, it felt like she had, as you said, all the capabilities to be able to win those matches. She just needed to do it. And, yeah, that could unlock something in her that could make her even more dangerous. I mean, I think sort of short term in this tournament, that is going to take a lot out of her and having to come back. And I think she plays Pliskova now, who has been kind of, since she beat Anisimova, pretty serene in this tournament and looking good. It's a very different match to Andrescu. You know, the rallies will will be nothing like the same texture and shape as they were against Andrescu. But I think, sort of just for her career it's important that she got one of these wins finally mm. i'm very impressed with pliskova by the way the way mm. i mean aside from the win she had over anisimova which i i really enjoyed that match as well i just i like the way she's punching the clock and keeping on coming back for more and you know there must be so much scar tissue there from her previous near misses and yet she keeps coming back wanting to break through it um and yeah i i mean it was i was very interested to hear your discussion about her and where where the mix sits I, now and i was going to ask you whether you agree that she is in the mix <laughs> yeah i think she, i think she is i think she is i think i mean look it looks like we're going to get a new champion, um, Bob, uh, a new Grand Slam champion. Barbara Krachikova is getting handily beaten at the moment, 6-1-3-1, by Irina Sabalenka. And the other players that we have left in the draw, what are we looking at? We've got Leila Fernandez against Irina Sabalenka, it looks like. We've got 
Karolina Pliskova against Maria Sakkari, winner to face either Emma Raducanu or Belinda Bencic. Um, so, yeah. And yet, I think I would make Sakkari the favourite in that match against Pliskova. Really? I think, yeah, Based on I, what you saw last night? Yeah, I the, think so. And the belief that can give her? And the, and the way she keeps coming, that's the thing. I, I just... This could be Sakari's time. I, I think that usually somebody takes her out. Somebody t- plays well enough to take her out. Um, but I don't see that being Pliskova, personally. Yeah, I, I'm not actually sure on their record between the two of them. I, I, don't, I don't recall too many matches between them. Um, but I'm, I'm just really won over by the number of players that are making their presence felt now. That this is that somebody's going to grab this, and uh, it's going to be so fascinating to find out who it is over the next few days. Um, one of uh, one of the players that is is trying to do exactly that is on the men's side is Daniel Medvedev, who we saw today in the first match, and uh, he for the first time looked a little bit vulnerable. Um, surprisingly so to me, he did not put Botic van der Zanschlup away in the manner that I thought he would. No, agreed. It was a strange match. Um, after two games, I was actually Googling most lopsided quarterfinals in Grand Slam history. Um, I didn't get very far with that search, but I just didn't have high hopes for this match. And, you know, I was thinking, who's going to disappear first? Bortic van der Zanschlup or the shadow on the Arthur Ashe Stadium? It, was, it, it felt like a race to see whether Medvedev could finish before the shadow had sort of left the stadium. And I just didn't think there was any jeopardy in this match for Medvedev. Going into it after the first set, certainly after the second set when he's 6 3, 6 love up. And then the third set, just as you said, was weird because he didn't put him away in the way that I expected him to. Bortic van der Zanschlup made some little adjustments, I think, some clever adjustments. He started slow balling a little bit and then he injecting is, pace a clever in the player. rally. He uh, is. I, I was impressed with his tactical nous. And, yeah, it, it wound up Medvedev and st- stopped his rhythm, didn't it? Yeah, and Medvedev said as much in the um, encore interview afterwards. He was asked what changed in that third set, and he, and he gave the credit to Bortic van der Zanschlup saying it was him. You know, he, he messed me about. Um, and then Medvedev won the fourth set, but it was tight. It was 7-5, but he was never in trouble on serve. I think he only lost, you know, two or three points on serve in the whole set. So I'm sort of left thinking, well, how much trouble was he actually in in that match? Not much, really. I think if if the sets had played out in a different order, perhaps... I might have thought that he was in more trouble. But just the way it played out, I always felt that Medvedev was in control. But yeah, this is the first match he's not been fully convincing from start to finish. Um, I do think playing in the heat of the day is not something that he particularly enjoys. It was very sunny, certainly down one end of the court a lot of the time. And I've seen him struggle in the heat quite recently in, in Tokyo in his first match in Toronto as well. Um, so I think he'll be pretty pleased that he's through the sort of portion of the tournament where he's going to have to play under the sun. Um, I suspect he'll get the first semi-final, but that will be, I think, four o'clock local time 
the court will be in shade. So that might actually help him in the end. Um, but yeah, there's sort of this question really, isn't there, about whether it's useful to have a test or not to go through some difficult moments. And my default answer is yes, it's probably good to have one. Like it, it probably helps a bit. But then I thought that about Ash Barty in the first two rounds. I thought they were useful tests. And actually, that was just sort of evidence of her not playing that well and not being at her best. I don't see that in the same situation with Medvedev. I think he is playing well. I think it was just a bit of a lapse in the third set, an opponent doing something he wasn't expecting. The whole shade, shadow, I think, got in his head a little bit. Um, and actually, I think I think he's fine. But yeah, it was it was a strange match. Botic's story, I love he, the fact that he apparently has never been to America before, and yeah. he, he'd only ever seen New York on Netflix uh, <laughs> in things like Suits. Um, uh, him and Carlos Alcaraz, neither one of them have ever been to America before. <laughs> um, but he, the, the the run that he had into that quarterfinal was just crazy I, I didn't I mean I knew he'd been on the court for a long time I did not know that he'd been set down in the first round of qualifying and he won the second set on a tie break then he was a set down in the next two matches and then he was two sets to love down in the first round of the main draw I mean it's just amazing what he did uh, getting to that stage I mean that that could be a career changer for him I mean just in terms of the the sheer resources that this gives him financially now mm. to travel the way he might want and with whom he might want um, he's got game that guy yeah definitely I mean as you said there's a there's a financial injection that comes with that there's a ranking injection I think he's gone from about I think he was 117 in the world. I think he'll move in, inside the top 70 now. So he'll be getting into slams. He won't have to qualify. That you know that makes a difference. Um, and yeah, he's he's got something about him. Uh, he's got a massive forehand when he really hits it. And he's got some subtlety, likes moving forward. He's got game. I think Medvedev said he could be... I think he originally said top 30 and then adjusted it to top 50 on the court <laughs> sent him backwards yeah. in the same answer <laughs> yeah um, I mean that feels about right I suppose yeah, I, I would say so um, right then that puts um, Daniel Medvedev into the semi-finals and he will now face either Felix Auger-Aliassime or Carlos Alcaraz which uh, which is a match that's still to come in the evening session here so we can't preview that semi-final um, but we will review that match, that quarterfinal, in tomorrow's tennis podcast. But um, what we can do is... Sorry, Catherine's just come in with her hand on her head. I've put my phone through the washing machine. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't even retrieve it because I can't open the door. And what's the point of making a big clunk? Who you... does that? <laughs> you can stop the washing machine. I've stopped the washing machine. But it won't let me open it because it's full of water. Because it's full of water. So it's just sitting there in a... In a puddle of water. In a puddle of water. Um, Do I put it on a rinse cycle? So that I can open the door and retrieve it? I don't know. Um, They do tend to be waterproof these days, I think. um, Can I help, Catherine? 
Where were we? <laughs> um, so we will, yeah, we'll talk about uh, the Ogialia-Seam Alcaraz match in tomorrow's pod and then uh, preview the semi-final once we have all the names. Um, but um, that then fed into the next women's quarterfinal that was on court, and that was Alina Svitolina against Leila Fernandez, who, you know, I, I feel like I feel a bit miffed. I've slightly missed out on the Leila Fernandez <laughs> story because I started to feel under the weather just when she's beating Naomi Osaka, and I woke up to find out that scoreline, and, and I watched some of it back. Um, and obviously I, I was heartbroken for Osaka in, in, that, in that press conference that she gave, and I thought, I thought you both did a wonderful job of... Um, explaining what went on there um but i couldn't really believe what i was seeing for from fernandez and then and then the kerber match was when i really understood where we were what was what she was doing and and how she was able to just stop somebody like kerber at her own game but today was the way she's piecing this together she's beaten svitolina tonight six three three six seven six and uh, and she took the best of Svitolina tonight. I mean, this was not Alina Svitolina, Grand Slam player who kind of lets herself down. That didn't happen tonight. This was Svitolina, who Martina Navratilova thinks is is looking more like a Grand Slam champion, taking it to a young opponent, not letting herself down, standing up to her, and still losing, because that's how good. Fernandez is. I mean, she is inspiring in her shot making and her bravery out on the court. Yeah, and I think in the most literal sense of that word, she is inspiring the other eighteen year olds in this tournament. Well, she's nineteen now, isn't she? Fernandez just turned nineteen. Uh but yeah, Raducanu has said that she's been inspired sort of playing the day after Fernandez and sort of seeing what she's she's been doing. Um, gosh, I would love to have some piercing analysis of this match, but I just fear it's all going to be, all I'm going to be able to muster is sort of just hyperbole and expletives about how great it was. <laughs> um, such a compelling match. One of the best in a tournament of fantastic matches. This was one of my favourites. Um, because as you say, I think the difference between Raducanu and Fernandez is that I thought we knew who Fernandez was. Raducanu has really come out of the blue. We've not got any real data on her other than Wimbledon, you know, in terms of at this level. But Fernandez has been around on on the tour for a couple of years and we've seen her have some good results. We've seen her climb steadily in the rankings. But we've never seen this before. Um, I think both in terms of the level of tennis and also the way she's carrying herself on the court. I think that's something Martina Navratilova has talked a lot about on the prime coverage, that, yes, Fernandez has always had self-belief. Of course she has, but she's never really sort of outwardly shown it on the court. I've often thought of her as quite a shy player, perhaps, but now she's someone who conducts the New York crowd and walks with a real purpose and puts her fist in the air whenever she hits a fantastic shot and it's it's intoxicating it takes you with her um and you know so on the one hand we had 
we had that. We had this this player with the greatest confidence they've ever had in their career trying to do something they've never done before. And then on the other hand, we had Svitolina, who is a player with a lot of experience on this stage, but not always positive experience. And for her, it was about trying to sort of overcome those those past matches she's had. So it was this fascinating dynamic within the match. And Svitolina started quite slowly, I thought, and she was playing in the way that we've seen her play these big matches in the past, being a bit passive and sort of letting Fernandez dictate. But then she willed herself to do the right thing and she played brilliantly, I thought, for in sets two and in sets three. And ultimately, it was just Fernandez being the better player that won this match. Um, Fernandez is incredibly solid from the baseline in the same way that Svitolina is, and yet she's got a little extra. She's got a mm. little little spark in her game that means she can anticipate where Svitolina's going to hit the ball or she can suddenly inject a bit of pace out of nowhere. She can do something just a little bit magical um, in a way that Svitolina can't quite. She doesn't quite have that. But goodness, I agree with you. She she played very well today, Svitolina, and surely one of her best Grand Slam matches. Um, I think it was the first time... She'd been in a Grand Slam quarterfinal or semifinal and lost the first set and not lost in straight sets. You know, she proved something today that that she could sort of change the course of a match. She just couldn't couldn't quite get over the finish line. But that was more to do with Fernandez being brilliant, I think, than it was mm. Svitolina letting herself down. That little bit of magic you talk of, I think, is encapsulated in her leftiness. The way she will just flash a, a left-handed hook forehand and and start pinning uh, Svitolina in a backhand corner. And Svitolina's got a nice backhand. It's solid. It mm. kept on coming back, kept on coming back. And she's being dragged further and further out into the tram lines, but it keeps on coming back. And then there's that moment where Svitolina went back into the centre of the court and Fernandez is able to hit an inside-out backhand instead, and totally wrong footer. Mm. When the, on the one moment she thought she'd got her, and uh, and that's yeah, there's a bit of genius about her, um, and she's a shot maker. She's and she she kind of needs to be a shot maker because she doesn't have raw power. She she's not muscling the ball. She's she's timing it, and she's just she's got a really good tennis IQ it seems to me. Yeah, and then she combines all that with a fight and with a determination. Mm. You know, she was 5-2 up in that third set and Svitolina charged back at her and got it level and she just seemed unbothered by that and she wasn't rattled. She just kept doing her thing. You mentioned the run of matches that Burtik van der Zanschlup, I don't don't know why I'm bringing that name up again when we've already sort of done that section of the podcast. Anyway, um, Fernandez's run is incredibly impressive when you when you really look at it and break it down. Anna Konyu in the first round, Kaya Kanepi, sort of perennial danger woman in Grand Slams, and then Osaka, Kerber, Svitolina, all of those in three sets. You know, she she's got she's beating the top players down the stretch of these matches. She's she's lasting the course, she's got the fight in her yeah, and look, I I hesitated yesterday about whether to put her in the mix and 
all I can say is after today, I'm sort of no longer surprised by anything that these 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds can do. This this tournament seems to be rewriting the rules, really, of, of what is possible. And Fernandez is leading leading that charge. I mean, mm. I've seen enough. She She absolutely can win this tournament based on her level of tennis. It's amazing when you think that she's maybe the least heralded of the Canadian tennis players that are coming along, you know. I was thinking the same. And <laughs> you've got Milos Raonic, who's sort of poking his head out and saying, oh, Layla's really good. <laughs> <laughs> well done, everyone. <laughs> um, but, I mean, you know, I... I I think Felix Auger-Aliassime has spoken very well of her as well, and that's really nice to have seen. But Shapovalov has, has gone back into his shell. He was beaten handily by Lloyd Harris, and Andrescu's the one we always talk about. But, yeah, she's not going to be put in the corner. She's just not. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think when I've thought about this golden generation, for the want of a better term, of um, of Canadian players, I've thought... You know, Andrescu, number one, sort of Felix and Denis Shapovalov, pretty neck and neck. And honestly, Leila Fernandez, I've always included, but I've never really known whether she would hit the same heights as the others. Um, and for her to be doing this, what she's doing this week has has really taken me by surprise. But yeah, just with every match, she's more and more brilliant and convincing. Mm. Yeah. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So, um, Fernandez through. 
and she now faces the winner of this Sabalenka and Krichikova match, which now looks like Sabalenka is going to get over the finish line. It got, it's got a bit tasty, actually. Uh, Krichikova has won a couple of games in a row, but overall, that's been a flat match. Probably mm. the first flat match, I think, that we've seen. I think, I don't know, partly because of who's in it. I, don't, I think the crowd don't necessarily know how to relate to Sabalenka and Krichikova just yet. Um, partly because I think I think they do come into these arenas in the night session and they they take a bit of warming up. They 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 want to get a couple of honey juices down them and they've mm-hmm. you know they're not quite into it yet. And I've also there's been a lot of excitement already. I think it's just it's a bit of a slow build in that way. Um, but it'll be it'll be fascinating. The fact that Krishikova is the only Grand Slam champion left in that women's draw. Um, just makes it all the more fascinating, really. Um, just on the uh, the doubles, there's, we, we had a fantastic men's doubles match today with Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury beating Matt Ebden and uh, Max Purcell, 7-6 in the third, 12-10. There was loads going on in it. Quite a bit of aggro as well, which was uh, absolutely fantastic to see. <laughs> nice bonus. <laughs> yeah, lots of body line uh, um, shot making going on and um, yeah I think something similar was happening with uh, Jamie Murray and uh, Bruno Suarez in their doubles match as well today um, it's it's been a really busy day it's that stage of the tournament now where everything's happening in fact that's one said all that matches uh, as we talked to you um, so where does that leave us for tomorrow let's have a little look at the order of play um, that we start with on Wednesday with uh, a five o'clock UK time match, twelve o'clock EST um, between Emma Raducanu and Belinda Bencic, which is the first match on the Arthur Ashe Stadium court. I still can't quite believe I'm saying that. I know. know <laughs> Britain has an 18-year-old Grand Slam quarter-finalist, and it ain't Andy Murray, and we'd. We weren't talking about her three months ago. I mean, I think I can't remember who it was who wrote that she was doing doing her A levels three months ago and trying to get a wild card into Wimbledon. Well, she wasn't on the original wild card list for Wimbledon, was she? Mm. She had to win a match, I think, before Wimbledon to get a wild card. It was Simon Briggs who said it. How can I possibly forget? Of course, it was. <laughs> yeah, no, it's. It's, it feels like a really big moment, actually. Um, 45 minutes of build-up on Prime tomorrow beforehand. Um, built in an extra 15 minutes there. You know, they're really going for it, which is which is going to be great. Um, and I think the ex- a lot of the excitement comes from the fact that she could do it. You know, she could mm. win. You know, there's there's nothing to suggest she can't. That's that's how I would sort of define that match because we just don't know. And that trademark ability to just start putting runs of games together. Mm-hmm. I I did not understand how that all took off yesterday because I was uh, I was back at work and uh watched the first what four games of the match and it was two games all and I was sent downstairs to to do a little TV report. And by the time I got down there, she'd won the first set 6-2. I'd only <laughs> gone in an elevator. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then the next thing you know, she's about four love up in the second set. And I, I really didn't know how that turned so dramatically in her favour. 
I mean, it sounds like Rogers lost our way, but even so, um, that there's a ruthlessness about her. For mm. somebody who's so nice and lovely, she is absolutely ruthless, um, yeah. which is a great quality for a tennis player. Yeah, I think the golf podcast we both listened to would would call her a killer on the court. You know, yes. she she sees an opportunity and she grabs it and runs away with it. She's done that in basically all of her matches this tournament. And if she gets the chance tomorrow, I'm, I'm sure she'll do it to Benchich as well. But Benchich is another step up. You know, we keep talking about these steps up and she keeps passing them, you know, these tests. Benchik is playing very, very well. Hasn't dropped a set either. He's on such a good run of confidence coming off the back of the Olympic gold medal. Surely, even if Raducanu wins, it, it, it surely can't be a sort of blitz once again. But she sort of makes you think anything could be possible. Mm. What's your feeling? My feeling is that Raducanu is going to win. Blimey. <laughs> I mean, just to give it, you're talking about 45 minutes of build-up. Yesterday, we we cleared the entirety of the five live airwaves. That does not happen. I mean, but, you know, mm. we we took over five live sports on BBC Radio in the evening. And, I mean, there, there is, I, I, I'm not sure that's the case for this one just because of the time slot. It's 5 p.m. UK time. But the fact that it's even being considered is highly unusual i don't think that's happened in my time covering the u.s open we, we've had tim Hemman get to this stage we've had uh andy murray get to this stage and and yes we've covered their matches live sometimes on five live but pretty much always only when they got right to the the end of the tournament i mean that there is such a magnetism about her there's such interest people are relating to her as hard as i can remember anybody capturing the imagination in britain um they love her they absolutely i mean my daughter just thinks she's wonderful Aww. you know the, the, and i see this a lot I, I there's just she's such a a magnetic character and and the i mean it almost worries me when i see her taking selfies with all these people courtside you know just random people in the crowd she's just going up to them and saying sure i can have a selfie with you no problem at all i'm thinking these people could be anybody Um, (laughs) you know it's but it's also lovely and uh she's embraced that side of things hasn't she so so well because this is all really new Mm. and yet it doesn't feel new which is kind of the impression you get when you watch her play she is doing things that she you feel like she should have to learn and Mm. yet she almost kind of intuitively knows um and yeah i I just think i like her return against bengshik's serve but that is a weak spot in bengshik's game and i do think raducanu's return is incredibly good and she can attack that sort of handcuffer yeah i mean bengshik takes the ball early doesn't she and i think she can rush opponents and hits it very flat it's probably it's probably takes a bit of adjustment to get used to it but if she can settle i think i really do think she's got a good chance mm. i i would have to say this is one match i'm finding quite difficult to picture because i i can't quite remember how belinda bencic plays that that well i don't i don't have a 
I don't feel like I've watched enough of her matches over the years to really understand her game the way that I feel like I do. If if Raducanu played most of the top 20 or 30, I think I could understand what was likely to happen. Um, but even though I don't know her game that well, the patterns are going to be really interesting to me. I think we'll get time to understand more about her in this match. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. Um, she's definitely got a chance, uh, a, a good chance. I, I'd put it slightly less than fifty-fifty personally, but as you know, I'm, I'm I, I like a feeling rather than a sort of logic-based prediction. Yeah, and and I'm normally the other way round, but I'm going with feeling. Yeah, mm. I'm going Radicano. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, right, well, that's followed on to court by Zverev against Harris. Harris, who's been playing really well. Uh, I was highly impressed with the way he beat Riley Apalke yesterday, um, a guy who has been serving so well and hitting the ball so hard, and frankly, Harris handled him pretty pretty easily. Um, I, I, it just seems like Zverev's too relentless for everybody though at the moment. I mean, I was listening to you and Catherine talking about Sinner. I was taken aback by how Zverev manhandled Sinner. I wasn't expecting that. Um, and and he probably looks as potent as anybody just at the moment. Um, so, you know, uh, I'm, I, I would imagine he would beat Harris. Um and then the evening session tomorrow is the Karolina Pliskova against Maria Sakkari match. I've just looked up their head-to-head, actually, and they played a couple of times in Rome. 1-1 one, one apiece. Oh, of course. That was the match where Pliskova hit the umpire's chair mm. after she after losing to Sakkari, I suppose. That's right. Yes. Um, Splendid of course. moment. Yes. I've erased Sakari from from that memory. It's it's just Pliskova, the racket and the chair. In my I've, mind. I, I've just got the image of Sakari going. Ooh. Yes, you're right. She <laughs> does. She does jump back, doesn't she? Why are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. What do you think? I th- I think Sakari. I think Pliskova. Okay. Um, I like these conditions for Pliskova. I, I really think it's helping her serve. Um, I really do think yesterday and beating Andrescu was significant for Zachary. But as I said before, perhaps significant in the long term. I don't know whether it's hugely significant for this tournament. Maybe. And certainly if she comes through Pliskova, it will be. But Pliskova's cold and I think she could just, you know, win that 7-5, 7-5 or something like that. Mm. Well, it's certainly possible. Um, and she's she's playing some of the best tennis of her career. She's playing reliable tennis and mm. keeps turning up, and I'm impressed. Um, that's followed on to the court by Novak Djokovic against Matteo Berrettini. So three more to go for Djokovic as he strives for history. And Berrettini's sort of playing meat and potatoes tennis at the moment. Uh, I, I think uh, he's not he's not setting it alight. Really, he's he's getting through. Mm. And Djokovic is very aware of the Berrettini game. He knows all about it. He's played it a couple of times at the Slams this year. He had very nice things to say about Berrettini's game. He, he reckons he's got the most powerful forehand other than Del Potro in men's tennis at the moment. And, you know, with Del Potro's absence, pretty much the hardest. But I just think that familiarity will be useful for Djokovic, particularly after 
the unknown that was Jensen Brooksby in the previous round. That mm. that was such a clear element of that match, which was difficult for Djokovic to begin with. But I think, you know, even if he goes a set down, he sort of knows where he can exploit Berrettini. And yeah, I just, I think Berrettini can hurt him, but I think Djokovic will will have too much. And I think it could be very similar to their other Grand Slam matches this year. Yeah, yeah, I would say the same. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to it all. I mean, what a tournament we're having. It's It's been an absolute treat so far. And uh, in fact, Arena Sabalenka has just booked her place in the semi-final. She's beaten Barbara Krachikova in two sets. Um, it's going to be interesting whether Sabalenka can, can make this the one. Oh, there's so many good stories going on. <laughs> it's It's impressive, isn't it, for her to back up Wimbledon. You know, we wondered whether mm. Wimbledon was her overcoming this barrier she's had at the Grand Slams or whether it was a flash in the pan, a one-off. But for her to reach the semi-final at the very next slam suggests she's cracked something in these in these events. Um, and she feels like the player who has the potential to overwhelm the rest of the field remaining in this tournament. If, if she's on, if she's in the sort of mode we've seen her in in Wuhan in the past or in Madrid this year, she's got that firepower, that potential and... Her against Fernandez is completely fascinating. You know, can Fernandez use that dexterity we've talked about to unsettle Sabalenka, or will Sabalenka just sort of overpower her? I I don't know how that match plays out, but gosh, I want to see it. Yeah, me too. Six one six four for uh, Sabalenka tonight. Um, so that is it for another edition of the Tennis Podcast. We're going to be back tomorrow to review everything that goes on with Emma Raducanu and the rest of the uh, the lineup on um, the second Wednesday of this tournament. Um, Oh, it's just nice to be back, to be honest, Matt. Missed you. (laughs) Nice to have you back, David. (laughs) Um, And, uh, yeah, we have been brought to you by our lovely executive producer, Chris Albert Lee, who's a top bloke. We have mascots, which are Scouse and Mousel and Rogue. And we have Zeus and we have Billie Jean uh, King, who has been having a whale of a time at the tennis uh, from what we've seen. And she's sponsoring Billie Jean the dog. We got, is it Francis the cat we got this week? It is. Yes. Yes. Great cat. Yeah, great cat, great cat. Um, I'm a bit out of it, you see. I'm, I'm, I'm not completely following the mascot situation at the moment, but that's what I understand to be the case. Um, and do we do shout-outs these days? I don't. Do we do those? We have been doing them. I oh, can yes. do them. Sure, let's do it. Okay, we have Heather Long. All right, Heather. Thanks very much for your support. I think we had a Heather yesterday as well. Oh, brilliant. Um, we have Beatrice and I'm really not sure how to pronounce this surname. I'm going to go with Galf. Okay. All right, Beatrice. Uh, don't we have a, a princess who's a Beatrice in Britain? Yes. Oh, yeah. Catherine's phone is working. Catherine's phone's been through the washing machine. And it is now... I think it's working. Oh, phew. It's, it's survived the washing machine. Have we got a third shout-out, Matt? Yes, um, someone we know very well, and you especially, Daryl Brown. Hooray! Daryl, who is uh, one of our opponents in the predictions competition and a good old friend of mine, and who, yeah, reliably loses to me in the predictions, so very much like him. 
<laughs> Cheers, Daryl. Right then. Well, fantastic. Uh, it's been lovely to be back. And um, yeah, hopefully we're all together very soon. All with phones that work and haven't gone through the, the latest washing machine cycle. <laughs> These things happen. Um, right. I'll speak to you tomorrow, Matt, on another tennis podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll look back on another cracking day of tennis. 